Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of Barnes University Radio. Um, I'm actually doing this podcast right after the Tennessee Titans preseason football game versus the New England Patriots here in Nashville. And usually I do this after all four preseason games, but unless the Tennessee Titans make a, you know, significant free agent signing or some type of significant trade, I stand pretty strong on this uh, statement. Um, as a foundational statement, every every September, every uh, late August, I always say, what are going to be some of the Tennessee Titans strengths for the 2019 or their upcoming season? And what are going to be some of the the glaring needs or weaknesses on this team? And, you know, I'm going to start off with the, the, the positives first, you know, the good news first. Um, I think this Tennessee Titans football club potentially could have one of the best receiving um, seasons that it's had in quite some time. Um, If you're very familiar with Titans football, you know that um, when Matt Hasselbeck was here, we were a top 12 passing uh, team in the league with Matt Hasselbeck at the quarterback position. That was 2011. Um, Before that, Our best passing seasons came when the late, great Heimerdinger was here and his passing attacks. So the Tennessee Titans historically have have not been known to be a prolific passing offense. But I believe no matter who the quarterback is, whether it's Ryan Tannehill or it's Marcus Mariota, I believe that the Tennessee Titans, when all their pieces are healthy with Corey Davis, with Adam Humphreys, with Delaney Walker, with Tajay Tajay Sharp, um, you know, with these types of weapons, A.J. Brown in place, all healthy, then this offense should go. Um, The passing offense should go especially. So the positives is they have playmakers in place. Um, Defensively, it's very good that they have – very similar to the same core last year that were so successful and another year in that Dean P system. Kevin Byard being the leader and the playmaker and the ball hawk back there in the secondary. Then you have uh, guys like Logan Ryan, who is, you know, a very intelligent. Uh, I called him the computer a couple years ago or last year. Just just that intelligent defensive back back there. Um, then you got that young, talented inside linebacker duo with Jayon Brown and Rashawn Evans. And then the veteran that, you know, not many people are talking about, but Wesley Woodyard is that guy when it comes to manning down the middle. Then you got the defensive line, Jarrell Casey coming back, hopefully getting Jeffrey Simmons a little bit later. You got the young Sharif Finch. You got Harold Landry, all these guys that. You know, not to be forgotten about, you know, these guys will generate pressure. These guys will make plays and a very underrated coaching staff. Uh, Tennessee Titans have, in my opinion, based on, you know, visibly going to practices and just seeing, you know, I've seen, you know, clips of every training camp, almost every training camp in the NFL, just clips. You know, I'm not obviously not there. 
and it's not to downplay any other coaching staffs, but the ones that I see, these guys work their butt off, and you see the attention to detail in their game plans, and they're a really underrated uh, coaching staff. All positives, right? And I think based off of that, you got a team that's going to be disciplined, that's going to hustle, and all the things that I just said, the potential of the passing attack, and then the defense, you know, there's no ceiling on what they could be based on their positives, right? But then there are some type of technical um, negatives that comes with this team that it really comes down to roster building and it comes down to um, scenarios that may play out, may not play out, but it's the NFL and these scenarios that I'm talking about 99.9% of the time play out. And I'll start with the where it starts, right? The trenches. You know, I'm a firm believer that everything starts and stops in the trenches. The Tennessee Titans offensive line, they have an open spot there at right guard. It doesn't really matter who wins it, right? Nate Davis has been injured. Kevin Palmfield seems to be the lock there. Uh, Jamil Douglas has, has gotten some reps there. But really, outside of that first wave of guys... You're going to have Taylor Lewan out because of, excuse me, suspension for the first four games. And, you know, you're going to have Dennis Kelly at that left tackle position. And then you're going to have Jack Conklin, who's kind of trying to rebound from a very, you know, off season or bad season, I should say, be, to be frank, last year. And you're going to be trying to work on chemistry. And really for the Titans, to me, that second string offensive line, if they suffer any more injuries on the offensive line from a projected starter, they're in trouble. Now, if I was, you know, in that front office personnel, making personnel decisions, I would be looking very, very hard to find a steal during the waiver wire, during the cuts of a of a. You know, from a team that's cutting a really good offensive lineman because they have to, you know, make a number for their roster. You know, they're really just, you know, counting numbers and it's basically just a roster casualty. I'm looking for those really good offensive linemen right now. You know, it's unfortunate because the guy that I, that I was thinking of is Chris uh, Westerman. Christian Westerman uh, plays for the Bengals who just retired out of nowhere. He's a three-year vet who would have been great for that scenario. You got a guy like Matt Gano there in Atlanta at left tackle that you could look at. You know, other guys off the top of my head. Um, you got some pretty good backup um, offensive linemen with the Rams. You know, these types of players that the Tennessee Titans need to look at when it comes time and when cut time comes. Because you're going to need it because that's one of my negatives that I see that this team, if there's some injuries, this offensive line, it could get ugly. Um, and then, you know, flipping on the other side of the football, you have that outside linebacker group that is very young and, you know, very, you know, I think youth is the biggest thing with that outside linebacker position. Now, they're 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 not they're not you know, untalented They're you know, they have some talent. It's just that, you know, that veteran 
presence with Cameron Wake can only do so much. You know, these players still have to play the game themselves. You know, Cameron Wake can give them all the knowledge in the world, and you will see that come into play. But at the end of the day, it's going to be them youngsters, you know, playing. So I think that's going to be an issue throughout the year. And even then, like I just said, if it's a very thin position, if somebody gets hurt, then the Titans, again, need to be looking through rosters and trying to find that guy that could possibly come in. You know, a guy that has some versatility that I keep on talking about, even on my page, is Josh Bynes, who a lot of people don't know how talented he is. He's played for the Arizona Cardinals for the past several seasons. Um, he intercepted Marcus Mariota a couple years back when we played him. And, you know, you know the guy Deion Jones who just got an extension with the Atlanta Falcons. Now, whether you believe in analytics or not, his PFF grade was tied with Deion Jones, who just got a big extension from Atlanta. But he's not known by a lot of people. He's he's played for the Baltimore Ravens. He has a Super Bowl ring. And he's also, I mean, obviously been in that DNP's defense. So he's a guy that can play outside linebacker and inside linebacker. And he's a guy that he's he's more of an inside backer. But he has experience at outside linebacker as well. He's a guy that I think the Titans should look at even now before somebody uh, grabs him. Um, Other edge guys, Jeff Holland, very young. He just got cut by the Broncos, picked up by the Cardinals. Um, Just other guys off the top of my dome that I'm trying to think of. uh, Guys like uh, J. Ron Elliott that... uh, you know, I think he's been bounced around, played in the AAF a little bit, um, a former Packer. Uh, you got another inside backer that has speed that you could probably convert and have him some uh, have some reps, pass rush reps with Stephon Anthony. You know, just guys that that's going to help with that depth at outside linebacker. Um, and then I look at the, the Tennessee Titans secondary now. In the mo- in most of Dean Pease's Dean Pease successful seasons, he's always had a big corner, big physical corner, a big turnover causing nuisance at corner. The size of the Tennessee Titans cornerbacks right now is we have one. And I think that's Ty Smith and Logan Ryan that's like pushing six foot. Outside of them, we don't have a starter that's uh, actual that's actually identified as a big corner. And people might say that's ticky tack. Oh, we have good corners, blah blah blah. But it's very important in those what I like to call moment of truth plays when you know when you're bodying up a big receiver, and no matter how good of a position you're in, they make the play because they're bigger, stronger. You know, so. I always like to have a couple big corners on my roster so that I'm able to, um, you know, play those bigger receivers. You know, um, we're, they're fast. They can hang with, you know, the quick twitch receivers of the NFL. But what happens when they play the big receivers and there's jump ball situations and it's one on one, a mano, a mano, and they got to make a tackle. They might have the best form in the world. But if you're not strong enough, you're not big enough. It doesn't matter. Um, those are just a few things that I see that that will be problems or, 
You know, I say will be because 99, what will go wrong usually does. And especially when you got it spread over a whole quarter plus, And I mean that in terms of three months, you know, uh, a dang quarter of the year, a third of the year, if you play, you know, postseason football and things are going to happen. And I just I'm the type of guy that likes to have a lot of contingencies like most successful franchises do. Um, they, They don't they're not blinded by just, you know, there's a there's a term that I always have with with building a roster there's a time when you're just so enamored and and really just focus on building the roster then there's a time where you just got to pick up the troops rally the troops and say these are our guys and we got to win but at the end of the day when you're gathering that roster you make sure you have as many contingencies as possible you sifted through several scenarios because if you have the mindset that we got our guys we're just going to go as an executive that's when you are not prepared and it's when you lose games that you should have won. And it's really unacceptable, in, in my opinion. Um, and I think that the Tennessee Titans, those are some things that they can definitely improve upon. Now, no matter how that goes, I personally think the Tennessee Titans are a deep, a, a deep rod receiver like a deep threat raw receiver, a quick twitch raw receiver in the mold of a, you know, obviously we know of the Deshaun Jacksons. There's not just Deshaun Jacksons, you know, waiting outside to be picked up, you know, but a speed receiver that can really stretch the field and a guy that's quick twitch that can make people miss, that can really alleviate the pressure on everybody else. There's a guy named Aldrick Robinson that got picked up by the Panthers who might be on the roster but a bubble but if they're smart they're going to keep him. Titans had opportunities to draft guys like that as well. AJ Brown's going to be a great, you know, big receiver um that's going to be able to to master the underneath game as well as make make some plays down the field, but I'm talking about a speed demon and what they're really trying to mold is trying to mold Taewon Taylor into that. And when you look at his stats, when you look at the 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 college tape even though I wasn't a big fan of him, uh, thought he was more of a fifth, sixth rounder, but that's what they're trying to mold him into. And if he can become that, kind of similar to a Taylor Gabriel in that Atlanta Falcons offense, if he can become that, that would be great for the Tennessee Titans. And then other than that type of element to that offense, if Marcus Mariota, as much as, you know, I like him as a person as much as Nashville, Tennessee Titans, and really in some ways the NFL has embraced him as, you know, a good guy and the person that he is. No one's questioning the type of person he is. Nobody's questioning his toughness. At least I'm not. Um, however, there are certain subtleties to his game when he's playing the quarterback position that if he can master, he will take this Tennessee Titans team to a different level and, I, and dare I say, even if they have that element that I just talked about, the deep threat or not. And some of the subtleties that he's missing or doesn't execute consistently with is his accuracy, ball placement, footwork, pace, sense of urgency. And I know that seems like a long list, but it's really just like the basic core of being a successful quarterback that if you really study each and every quarterback like you there's a saying 
everybody can throw. You know, everybody has arm talent in the NFL. If you didn't know how to throw the football, you wouldn't be in the NFL. You know, they're super athletic quarterbacks. You know, that's not necessarily, you know, a rarity now. It's becoming a dime a dozen. So there's athleticism in the NFL. There's great arm talent in the NFL. You know, there's very there's Harvard grads. There's very smart, intelligent quarterbacks that, you know, throughout their life, football, football, football. So there's there's um, obsessed, uh, very intelligent quarterbacks. So you can be smart, you can have arm talent, you can be athletic. But what separates those types from the elite quarterbacks is the mannerisms, the slight and the most minute details in their game. And me being, you know, a football, I don't, I mean, I'm not a football savant. I would say maybe a football connoisseur is that I study the greats. I've studied Drew Brees' game. I've studied Peyton Manning's game. I've studied Tom Brady's game. And other than their work ethic on the minor, minute details of their throwing motion to their footwork, it's be, even them working on that during the offseason, it has become them. And just the minor details that it takes to maybe completing a five-yard out a 10 yard out the complete the complete repetition of throwing the perfect 10 yard out and the science behind how can I get this ball to basically make it seem like a 10 yard handoff to where I'm putting the ball exactly where I need it to go where I want it to go as if it was a handoff and you see that none you know you see that with Brady a lot when he hits raw receivers, they don't even break stride. And how many times have you really seen Marcus Mariota do that? It's usually always like a sliding catch. They got to slide it because it's slightly behind them. Or they got to slow down a hitch just to catch up with the ball or slow down to the ball. With Brady, it's right on the numbers, right in their hands, right in the bread basket. When you look at their footwork. Especially Drew Brees and, and Peyton Manning, their feet never stop in the pocket. It, that's pace. That's like an internal clock that has been, you know, forged in their brain to naturally do that. It's something that Marcus Mariota has not mastered yet, and I wish that you know you you know I'm not gonna say it's too late, but you really just hope. He 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 can become that. Now, if he doesn't, he can be a, a a solid quarterback. You know, he can be respected amongst the NFL. But will he be elite? No, because guess what? Success leaves clues. And guess what? There's not going to be a an anomaly for mediocrity, or an you're not going to be the anomaly of greatness um, for not putting in that type of repetitious work. There's, you're just not going to be the anomaly. Now, can you win? Can you be a game manager and win a Super Bowl? Absolutely. It's been done. But are you going to be known as the greats of the greats of quarterbacks? No, it's not going to happen. There's no anomalies in, in the Hall of Fame. Everybody that's there deserved it. Now, there might be some that were great that's not in yet. But everybody that's in there deserved it. So... 
that's really all I got to say about, you know, I do this every year. Um, first time actually putting it on. Po- no, nah, I think I did it last year as well. Putting it on the podcast, Barnes University Radio. It's really all I got to say, you know, um, you know, me going to pretty much all of the Titans open practices was uh, a great experience. I really liked it. I, you know, it was good seeing everybody in person, um, interacting, meeting, you know, my, my uh, Mike Vrabel and meeting uh, John Robinson and you know uh, meeting Miss Amy. It was an awesome experience and you know it's just a stepping stone in, towards you know where I want to go. But like I said, you know, you <laughs> as I'm not gonna say at some point, but you know you just you want a team to do well and you know that you put you yourself put in enough work to 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 be good enough to help. Um, so it's just an uphill climb from there, but you know, I'm going to do what I have to do to continue to get better. And, um, you know, and I know that, uh, God usually rewards hard work. So we'll see from there. And, uh, it's a Barnes university radio thing. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you so much for listening. Peace out.